You've been called to the CEO's office. You've been busting your hump all year. You think to yourself, I deserve this. Your boss slides a piece of paper across the table. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Because you know there's never been a better time to test drive the 2019 Mercedes-Benz GLA at your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer. That's right, the sleek SUV you've had your eye on at a truly surprising price. Visit MBUSA.com slash GLA to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. We went after Dennis. We chased him on the Rizzo's lab. About 50 yards in, we hit soft earth. It was an old tunnel. Uh, tunnel to where? Vicky's place. Need a hand there, brother? I got intel from Easy. He told me Galindo was being detained at Calexico East. Galindo hasn't pinged in over 26 hours. See if anyone scooped him up. What about Easy Reyes? Your deal is still in play. Now. I'm not here to kill you. What do you want? Cooperation. Partners. He's here. He's home. Miguel. Good evening, Mrs. Glindo. You think I sold out your father? Who else could have known where he was? Maybe the one who took the picture. Rodrigo. Was my father really an animal? We didn't start out that way. Huh? Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Mayans MC. I am Kente. I am one of your hosts all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you today. We're doing our show a little early today, but that's all good. Let me introduce my lovely co-host. It's the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing great, Kente. How I'm, I have to say I'm going to start out with the weather report from Hawaii. It's actually really nice today. It's gorgeous. About mm, maybe 78, 79. Um, I, I had this epiphany the other day when we were talking about how wonderful it is in all these other places. And I, uh, specifically, this is about Mayans, right? Have you ever seen, unless it's specific, have mm-hmm. you ever seen any better weather on a TV show than Mayans? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> it's always sunny and beautiful out there. So, well, it takes place in California. So I'm, uh, I'm giving you, I'm giving you all of the 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 uh, the compliments in the world that your weather seems to be just as beautiful as mine. Yes, yes, and uh, we don't have hurricanes, so. Uh, and so we yeah, do and have you don't have hurricanes. That's true, we, but you we do, do have, have bike gangs, and we don't have those. So we don't. Yeah, we have what? That. You don't. You have bike gangs, and we don't. So. <laughs> well, you can have those if you if you want. You can have <laughs> our bike gangs. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about um, this episode uh, that aired last night, um, and uh, this is episode six of our podcast, 
and we will be reviewing episode eight of the the series. And last night's episode was uh, called Rata. And uh, I think we, you can uh, figure out why it was called that. Um, as we've been talking about the, the uh, animal uh, motif that they have with the titles and also in the episodes. And we've see, we saw about four appearances of, uh, of rats or rodents in this episode about. I think, yeah, I think so. Very early on, they had the little scare, jump scare one <laughs> uh, in the flashback. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny when I saw it, uh, it made me think, uh, what did, what did you think about that? Um, not only, well, we'll start off with that appearance, but what did you think about, uh, that appearance of, of the rat and then others that we saw throughout the episode? Well, if they're trying to say something with the rat, that is maybe uh, a little foreshadowing, mm-hmm. it was a little bit hard for me to figure out exactly what they were saying because I can't tell in the vet in that very first flashback which one of them would actually be that representative. I feel like both of them are. Right. But maybe that was the point. Maybe that was the point. Well, yeah, if you think about it, Easy is a rat and also they're trying they the they wanted to turn um uh, Emily into a rat as well. So uh so you know, I guess that you can say that with that motif. Um, I noticed, though, Angel seems to interact a lot with whatever is the title uh, animal or insect or whatever. Yeah. You notice that? It seems like they, you know, like he was with the roach. He, he had a moment with the rat as well. Uh, actually, a couple of moments. Um, I wonder, are we supposed to look into that? Or is or is he the one that doesn't care, the actor, who says, oh, hey, I'll act with anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can I, put I a chupacabra in the scene with me and I'm okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that actually took, I feel like that actually took some uh, some courage on his part. Uh, I don't, you know, it's funny. I, I, I tend to think that, and I'm glad that we'll probably get into this a little bit into the episode, but <clears throat> I tend to think that Angel is more of a pivot point for the for the for the MC than any other character except EZ. But Angel, there's something there's something dynamic, and you're right. Every time we see him interact with one of the animals, it feels like it's a a very directed message. And I I, I there's a part of me that thinks that that's both awesome. For us as the viewers, but it's also really kind of scary mm. for Angel, the character, because who there's some if these are the big overtones, there's some pretty heavy stuff heading his way. Yes, yes, yes. So let, let, there's so much to unpack uh, as there are the as there is every week. So uh, I think a good place to start off with is let's start off with the Galindos. Um, Miguel, uh, this one was very, very, uh, good, uh, Potter and Miguel, as well as, uh, uh, his wife as well. Um, and the baby, uh, little baby Reyes, <laughs> uh, was in this episode quite a bit as well and was pivotal. And I love the mind games that Potter loves to play, you Eesh. know, and he, he really gets off on it. You could tell, like he really loves that aspect of his job. And uh, I love the the interaction with him 
and Miguel, especially, those scenes were very well done. Uh, both actors uh, did a very good job. Um, so uh, what did you think about the, that whole thing? Well, first of all, I, I have to say one of my favorite lines of the night, other than Coco's lines, because damn, I love it when this guy waxes <laughs> philosophical, uh, was when Potter said, it's spectrum stuff. I just I, I felt like that could be the tagline for that character throughout. It was just so perfect, and and it, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like he was organizing. Okay, well, let's make them comfortable. Okay, Louis, let me read the body language. <clears throat> okay, let me try this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got a better idea. And and it's strange how well orchestrated it sort of all became at the end. Um, and and how resistant both sides are, but how much Potter is just willing to say, look, I don't give a damn. You're going to do what I want, whether you think you're going to do what I want or whether you don't. But here, let me make it either easy or hard for you. I, I In some ways, I feel like this is, although I realize that this is a, a bigger fictional universe than perhaps our world could accommodate, it still feels really realistic. Like, yeah, that's probably how they would behave. You know, maybe not with all those subtle nuances, but the, you're going to do what we want. We'll try it this way. But if that doesn't work, we're going to go to the hard tactics. It just felt really real. Yeah, it did. It, it really did. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of times when you introduce characters that's been established on another show within a spinoff or something like that, it doesn't always go well, right? Um, right. It, you know, and sometimes they just don't fit in the spinoff or whatever, you know. But uh, in this case, he fits perfectly within the uh, the structure of the show, and it doesn't feel cheap. You know, it doesn't feel like a just a cheap fan moment. Oh, let's bring a bad guy from you know the uh, the other show and bring it in there. Like it fits perfectly. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Is this something that's only for this first season? Is this going on? You know, um, is he going to be an, a, a bad guy on the show uh, going forward? You know, it's, it's very interesting uh, to well, see how this plays out. You know, part of the reason I think that that is the way that it is, is because Potter as a character is so beautifully written as an antagonist who isn't at the same time that Potter sort of is kind of a strange caricature of a lot of things that we don't like about uh, hashtag the government. Mm -hmm. uh, he also is this incredibly present person as a character that has this, um, there's a, there's a charismatic piece to him that is so understated that it, you just get sucked in to sort of, his mental twisty turny thinking without even trying and that i think is that's all beautiful writing that is and and also it's it is amazing execution by the actor there is no substitute for how well he plays even his body language in the interview room was so on point from where his legs were to where to the way that he shifted positions on the that couch next to Galindo, it everything was so incredibly well timed and and executed that it was just so easy to get sucked in. You just felt like you were in that moment, not necessarily just watching 
sort of what was happening, it was like you could really understand that what was happening between those two was a really important moment. I, I, I mean, I honestly felt like this was one of the times when, like you said, the introduction of a character may or may not work. And it may not have worked even in the last episode necessarily. We didn't get a whole lot of view from him. But in this episode, we're up close and personal with him and it does work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. It really works for this show. And I'm so happy that they did that because I think this this show really needed that. It needed that that um, that character that with the gravitas, someone that you really feel like is a worthy adversary for our guys. And um, it really works. So, um, well, mm -hmm. you know, when you're the thing is, when you're dealing with a drug cartel, right, it's hard to get bigger than a drug cartel. And so when you introduce the 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 umbrella of some secret operation that is run by the government, that is a way to get bigger than the government. So the the real antagonist to, to create a foil for Galindo, you almost have to have something that would work on that subterfuge level. And this was masterful. It, it was really pretty brilliant because otherwise, how in the world do you compete with the amount of money that he has to do stuff, the resources that he has to do stuff. And of course, the way that you do it is by bringing in a character that basically has access to unlimited resources. And so it was, I think it was incredibly brilliant on their part. Yes. Uh, and also the question I have is, you know, a lot of people hate his character because he's against our guys, but you know, can you make an argument for his tactics? Because, you know, in order to fight, those kind of uh, evils, you got to go extreme. You can't go halfway. So uh, what do you think? I mean, does the ends justify the means? Is he going overboard in your estimation? Is he, is he, um, do you, is that somebody you would want fighting them? It, you know, it's a weird question uh, to really sit back and think about. We actually talked about this uh, last night after the episode, and it seems like uh, a big theme in Mayans is exactly that point is it okay to do a little evil for the greater good? Because we see Adelita doing it. We see, I think we actually see the bishop doing it in a weird, strange, twisty way. We see Galindo doing it. I'm going to build this big subdivision. This whole huge thing is going to be amazing. We're going to get people. I, even the club does it. Even last night, uh, oh no, I'm going to have a moment. Um, uh, Riz. Even he was saying, yeah, but see, I'm not actually hurting anybody and this is for the greater good. And so it, it, is, it is really a complicated question and one that I think doesn't have an easy answer. But in terms of uh, how this sort of plays out from the government to the drug cartel, oh, dude, haven't we seen this before? Like, ooh. yeah, I don't think there's any good. I, I, I feel like I want to say, oh, of course. There could be some good that comes out of this, but I don't know if that's actually true. I, I, I mean, I'm not of the opinion that that sacrificing so much <clears throat> that way leads to something better. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, definitely an argument that can be made on both sides. So, you know, even easy does it. Even easy does it. I mean, he's he's like he's basically in the middle of the biggest subterfuge of his life, really. And he's trying to walk the line. He, 
I mean, in this episode alone, the number of things that EZ did that I don't feel like he would do necessarily, but he did them to protect or help someone else. It was a massive theme, just huge. Yeah. Um, I love that scene though, where Easy is thinking that they're about to, you know, they're calling him because uh, they're going to do something to him. And then uh, it's like, oh, no, just uh, we need you to fix the car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it, man. That is hilarious. He was he looked so happy to to fix the whatever. I forgot what it was, but uh, in the, the guy's car. So. In the gasket. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I really loved Easy's little interaction uh, at the door where he like basically comes in and he prays and then he goes out and he's like super thankful. <laughs> I just love that. That was so great. Yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, the... look, prayers do come true. <laughs> like, yeah, it was the prayers that did it. It was definitely the prayers. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Coco and his situation because, you know, uh, it answered a question in this last episode about what was going to happen with Coco, you know, uh, about, about um, uh, the information that uh, Leticia, you know, because we were trying to figure out, is it ever going to come to light? Now, it, yeah. it didn't come to Coco, but it did go to Easy, and he decided to hold on to the information. But the scene where Easy goes to Celia's house and and they're sitting next to the dead body and and uh him and Coco are talking and he's ba- basically you know you know he's making jokes and he's making you know light of what happened and it, it was kind of hard to watch you know um just because you know it's his mother and you know it was it was a very difficult scene but one thing though I, I, the way that I took it you know, his whole attitude and later when he's making jokes about how they should bury her. Like, I, I mean, it was so cringe, cringy. Right. But I, I, the way that I think the way that I'm taking it is that's just the way he's dealing with it. Like he, I don't think he feels that way. I think that's just the way that he can wrap it around in his head. Uh, am I wrong? Do you think? Well, well, first of all, <clears throat> I think that when, when Coco, and and I I feel like this is sort of borne out with the uh, with the way that they staged the scene when Coco and Easy are talking. It felt to me like what Coco was telling Easy first of all in that scene was uh, it was like this is her eulogy, and I I mean that in a way that was like look he's not talking about her directly, but everything that he said was basically uh, sort of like mistakes are more important than anything else. Um, You can't live in yesterday. You can't fix yesterday. All you can do is move forward into today. I I feel like in some ways he was trying to say the nicest things that he could about her. And that this was his way of, you're right. I mean, obviously that is the way that he's dealing with it. But I also think, I I can't think of, and of course I don't know anybody else's backstory, but it certainly does seem like it is intentional for us to know that Coco was not raised in a really supportive, loving environment. And I think that if you experience that much uh, 
trauma and and just dysfunction i think you grow up to accept that that kind of dysfunction is normal so i i mean i'm not saying you can't be a better person clearly coco is a better person than celia ever was but i also think that it that he will always be a dysfunctional human being because of the way that he was raised. We can see that by the way that Celia was reacting to uh, to Leticia. So uh, th that whole thing, when she was laying on the floor, he had pillows under her head. He had wrapped her sort of like, you know, in a blanket and all that. It just, it felt like this was the, her wake and that they were discussing philosophically stuff about life in general, but they were really saying, or what Coco was really saying was, Hey, this is the best explanation that I've got for the way that she behaved. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it, you know, you can only imagine him um, to have to do what he did or he felt like he had to do. Uh, that's something that's going to live with him for the rest of his life. And, you know, despite what kind of person you could say that she was, it was his mother. And yeah. I think there's probably something he thought about doing for a long time but and i think he kind of used the fact that it to protect his daughter you know uh was a way that he can you know justify it in his head um you know it i just wonder how much will this change coco going forward as a character you know to have this seminal moment is this something that is going to you know, change him forever on the show, or is this going to be something that, uh, you know, that they're just going to say, okay, it happened. And you know, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I think that that, I think you're exactly right. I think it is, this is what happened. And now I move forward because that is exactly what he said mm -hmm. as he was sitting there. That's, I mean, what that's he said, exactly yes. his advice to easy. You can't live in what happened yesterday. That is definitely what he said, but you know, I mean, people say stuff, you know, <laughs> You know, you know, for this whole thing being uh, way more, you know, sort of leaning into Catholicism and uh, a little bit more, you know, Christian. Man, Coco was really Buddhist last night. Right, right. He sure was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really super Buddhist. Yes. I, it's it's an awesome philosophy. And and if and if all of them could live that way, and it, I, God, you know, I especially think that E Z needed to hear that because. The things that happened later in the episode, to me, seemed to require him to call on that as a necessary understanding in order to make the choices that he made. I, I think that that was really, I think it was actually pretty pivotal. Yeah, um, I, you know, that at the very end of the episode, when they had the, the body in the trunk, I had leaned over and said, I said, now, when if they get pulled over, <laughs> you know, uh, we 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 knew it. We knew it. The moment yeah. the moment that they put the body into the trunk and they broke the taillight, we all said the same thing. Oh, that's it. They're getting pulled over <laughs> like every single one of us in the room. Damn rat, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh Oh man, that is. You know, crazy. you know, I, I want to go. I want to go back to something. Mm -hmm. I, I want to go back to the scenes. This is something really interesting that we hadn't seen before, or hadn't seen it in its uh, in its entirety. And that is the way that the MC functions as uh, 
I, I won't call it a democracy, but at the way that it functions uh, as a system, it, that to me was fascinating because we see both sort of how they make uh, choices, how they come to a consensus, how they, you know, put something on the table and decide. There are some really interesting power dynamics in there. But the biggest power dynamic that I thought was like the best of all was how they settle their uh, insults. How, you know, if you insult somebody, if you if you make some uh remark or if you feel like your honor has been impugned i suppose <clears throat> the way that they have the cage match it i mean to me this is like the most interesting of all the dynamics in the mc because it is absolutely positively uh, a uh, a function of how you get together as a society and work out your problems without killing each other and i loved that i just i thought it was such a great representation of yeah okay see we're not going to just like head out with guns blazing here's the system that we have to figure out our differences i loved it yeah i love it too like uh when i saw the the cage match i i was sitting there dying laughing and and i love i love guys you know that we could sit there and have like a fist fight and all of that beat each other bloody and then hug each other and go have a beer <laughs> you know <laughs> it's, it's wonderful you know <laughs> i love it yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm not really like that's definitely foreign to me. I don't actually understand how you could do that because I would be holding a grudge until I was like 105. Yeah, I don't think that yeah, I would. I, I, I think I don't know that I could get away with it. I, I get. I mean, not get away with, it, but get get over that. Yeah. It was, and and when you think about it, the 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 level at which they were or for of what they were arguing over was pretty big. I mean, this wasn't small. And also, oh my God. Also, before I forget the fact that Coco and uh, what's his name? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I can't remember his name at the moment, but <clears throat> the fact that they stepped up and said, no, 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 no. It wasn't just angel. It was all of us. That to me was like that was a huge moment. That was really shocking, actually. Yeah, yeah, and I, it was cool though. Like you know, because the, the, they, they were up. just on his case two seconds before that, saying, "Dude, you should have come to us. Why'd you just do that? That's awful. You know, you can't just be selling us out like that." And then two seconds later, they're like, "Yes, yeah, you no, 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 no. It was all of us. We all did this." <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, Jimenez in this episode, uh, Jimenez, you got to love Jimenez because he is definitely somebody that will fight for what he believes in. And yeah. he throws it on the line. He, he's risked his job. And he had a great line, too, in this one. I guess I'm going to have to figure out another way to deal with my daddy issues. <laughs> I loved that. Oh, my God, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh, I lo And I also loved how... Uh, he then gets called son right afterwards. <laughs> yeah. That couldn't have been better. I mean, th like I said, this episode had so much going on in it. Like, uh, and I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, I love though, I, Jimenez is one is shaping up to be one of my favorite characters along with Felipe, of course. Uh, and, you know, I wonder though, is this going to be the end of Jimenez? Uh, or, you know, have we, are we going to get more from his character? I, I, 
I mean, I obviously I don't know the answer to that, but I feel like there's more potential for his character to have interaction. And and I think it has a lot to do with um I think it has a lot to do with what Potter said earlier about his intel. Um I don't remember the exact line, <clears throat> but they were, <clears throat> they were talking, excuse me, they were talking about how um specifically his intel was actually really good with EZ. And and oh, I know what I was thinking. What I was thinking was at the end uh we we get just a small peek into Potter's uh, maybe next level interaction because he's looking at uh, he's looking at Easy. He's looking at papers on from Easy or on Easy anyway. Um, and so, in some ways, because nobody knows him better than Jimenez, and so in some ways, I feel like him being the handler is maybe maybe they'll change the deal. Maybe now it won't be something specifically with the DEA, maybe they'll change it up so that it gives him a lot more freedom to do a lot more stuff. Right? Does that make sense? No, it makes really good sense. And, uh, I, you know, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Uh, now, I, obviously, we knew that, that Potter and Easy was going was gonna, to um, collide at some point. And I glad I like the way that they you know they they tease that, so um, it's going to be really interesting when he brings him in because he's he's set up real nicely for Potter, you know. Yeah. So all he has to do is shake that tree. And the thing is, you know, he he's not beholden to any kind of deals or anything like that. He's going to do what suits him. He's not worried about reneging or doing any of that stuff. You know, so yeah. Well, and 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 toward at, at some point, I, I, well, actually, I think I know what point it was when when Easy says, "I'm not running." When Jimenez says, "You know, look, just go to the wind." I, when when Easy says, "No, I'm not running," I, I mean, I think we all knew he wasn't going to run anyway. But right. There was something really interesting about that moment that. Where his he said, "Look, we have to protect the blood," and that also I think is a huge thematic turning point, or well, it's a huge thematic over uh, arching part of Mayans. But th- this idea that Angel ha- has always been protecting Ez feels like it's about to shift, right? And Ez is going to be the one that is going to be protecting Angel, right? No, and no, and no, maybe no. this is part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, because he he couldn't have just left because he knew that he basically put his brother in the trick bag. So, yeah, I yeah that I mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh I'm yeah, sorry. go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say it. It feels it. It feels very much like um like the beginning uh part of Mayans at the, so far, and up to these last. Well, actually, just up to this episode, I'll say has has really been about building these character relationships that show us okay and i think i said this last week it, um something about you know well whose side are you actually on there there is an interesting shift here which it has to do i think with it's not about whose side you're on it's about where you're morals are where your principles are where your 
where your sense of justice is. That's what defines who you are, because there is no right side or wrong side. It's all about personal justice. It's all about personal conviction and personal morals, because it's easy to see that the things that the MC does, they're not legal. I mean, any one of us would probably not, you know, be running drugs or any of that stuff, right? But right. we can easily understand why not just these things are important, but how this is their system. This is what they do. It gets harder with Galindo because there is such a personal sense of violence attached to him. And it gets even harder with Potter because there is something nebulous about his power structure. But from each point of view, we see something interesting that, that, that says, okay, yeah, but you know what? See, he's got a sense of personal justice. He's got a sense of moral conviction. Galindo is trying to protect his family. He's also trying to protect a lot more, but there is a core value to him, which is don't mess with my family. Right. EZ is doing the same thing. And Potter, in a strange freaking way, is doing something similar where he and I feel like they kind of alluded to it here. He doesn't have family. His family is his mission. This is what he does. His protection is something way bigger than I got a kid and a wife and whatever. Does that, I, I know that that sounds sort of esoteric, but I really think that that's a, uh, a big piece to how he behaves. Yeah. I mean, if you can imagine though, having that kind of a job, you, you're not going to, um, you know, you can't be really have too many things in your life that will sidetrack you from your mission. So, you know, Potter is he just seems like he's a creature of of habit. And this is what he does. You know, this is exactly what well, he does. Yeah, I can tell you one thing. He is so incredibly organized. I mean, that I, I felt so uh, almost sad that they glossed over that report. It was so whoever put that prop together did such a good job of sort of delving into Potter's mind because it was so well organized and so sectionalized. And you could see that that this was this is somebody who not just understands uh, current infrastructure, but really gets how a single person can interact with that infrastructure and make choices. Right. So he didn't just give Galindo uh, a bunch of pages and say, well, here, go through it. He actually gave him sort of a, an actual roadmap to what was transpiring. And I think that that was pretty genius myself. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. All right. So, um, before we, you know, we get on out of here, um, there's, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. Uh, the, uh, let's talk about the priest. Um, and I, okay. I understand why Felipe went, made this special trip down to basically uh, tell him about Adelita and let him know that I know about what you did, you know? And he ends, he ends his talk with him by saying, now we're even for, you know, the stuff that you did for me that helped me. I gave you this information. Now we're even, um, So my question to you is, um, how much stock should we put into, uh, uh, the fact that he went down there personally to tell him, 
because obviously he's not uh, he was very upset with his you know what he did and he could have possibly tried to off him himself you know but he did tell him he did let him know that she's coming for him so i mean what, what should we take from that well <clears throat> well clearly we know what he took from it because he then immediately got in touch with galindo which mm -hmm. is, which to me is like Wow, if we didn't think that this guy was a rat who would turn on anyone, <laughs> we now know he will turn on anyone. Because mm -hmm. um, to betray Adelita, hey, that was like that was—I don't know—I I was actually I was actually a little bit shocked. I maybe not hugely shocked, but shocked enough to think, wow, if he was, this is not about atonement. I thought it was about atonement, but it's not. He's not trying to atone for his past sins. He's trying to protect himself. And maybe what he thought was <clears throat> uh, somehow doing <clears throat> what he was doing would protect him at large, not knowing who she was, but maybe he thought it would protect him at large from bigger consequences. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm still kind of struggling with that. But no, I, now we're talking I, about the priest, or are I we talking about uh, that, are we talking about the priest, or are we talking about uh, uh, yeah. Felipe? No, we're talking about the priest. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Right, because 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 he, we know that he was personally involved. Well, I mean, we know all, we know everything that leads up to this, and then when he talks to Galindo's man, uh, what's his name? Um, Galindo's his man. Face and I can't think. Yeah, Galindo's man. Whatever. When he talks to him, <clears throat> he says, uh, he says, basically, he says, "Look, I need your protection." Mm -hmm. That. And and he knows it's not like he doesn't know what Adelita has been doing or who she's been fighting against or uh, there's something the hard part in all of this and and I feel like this is where you need a bigger brain than I have is understanding where the story points come together and and we haven't obviously we haven't been given quite enough information to connect every single dot but there is something very uh messy about in a great way about how all of these lines intersect because character motivation is a huge thing but where galindo is is concerned it feels like god you know in a strange way it's like the mayans and galindo are the same they're one big giant function and so everybody else that interacts with them sort of becomes in they go in orbit around them but the priest is different his because he also knows uh because he's because he also has a, a personal connection to both sides it feels really different from his point of view do, do you know what i'm saying when i say that no no yeah but I mean, it's self-preservation. It was self-preservation back in the day, and now it's self-preservation now. The the most important thing is saving. I know, but he's a priest him. now. I mean, like you know, at, he at was some then, point, though. Say, at some point, when you say is nothing sacred, it it feels like this is really the epitome of is nothing sacred. But he was a priest then, though. Uh, I I mean, yes. At, Wait, no, was he? He was a priest then? Did yeah, I miss yeah, remember in the picture he was. He was a priest when he was working with them? Yeah. I somehow missed that. Yeah, in the picture he was dressed like oh, a yeah, priest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I, 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 I'm sorry, I misunderstood what you were saying. Okay, yes, yes. I, but, and, and even still, 
that that it that I still believe that that is still a part of it. It it feels like is nothing sacred is still very that him turning on Adelita's parents. Uh, no, I shouldn't say it that way. Him being the rat in all these situations feels very much like there is something that fits with the statement is there nothing sacred and and the the answer is no there isn't and that and he is that piece where he intersects with all of the rest of the stories is so fascinating because we have all of these kind of um odd religious overtones and all of the and i shouldn't say odd they they're they're unique and interesting overtones and where he interacts it's sort of like the worst of the worst of the worst whereas everybody else kind of has a much um i don't know what the word is but they seem to have a much cleaner approach into this than he does he's the dirtiest of all of them in some ways and he's supposed to be the most virtuous so there's a strange character juxtaposition there i think that's what i'm trying to say Mm. well i don't want him to be my priest (laughs) that's for sure Uh, also also do we we don't know yet exactly uh we don't know yet exactly what he is saying uh okay now we're even right because there could be more to that story than we even know no i think it's pretty uh, i mean it seemed pretty clear to me he was talking about we're even you help me get out and now i'm giving you this information that she coming mm-hmm. to kill you and now we're even right right no i'm not saying that that part that the the, the scales i'm talking about whatever their backstory is together there could be more to that backstory than we understand oh yeah yeah i'm pretty sure of it yeah so uh you know it's it's um it's very uh it's gonna be really good these last couple episodes because i think there is uh it's 10 episodes right yeah so it's it's crazy how much how much easy's dad really does have to do with sort of everything it's so it's so brilliantly laid out i just I, i love it when i see that kind of amazing story mapping it's like they didn't leave a single detail to chance um, I, there's something fabulous about that i just love it even even riz's story last night even that feels like it's got all of these crazy tendril uh i i things that could come from it and even that feels like wow i mean they just keep setting stuff up so that future storylines can continue to build and i never feel like okay well this is going to be the end or i have no idea how they could possibly get from here to here it always feels like it is such a wide open story and that is just fabulous yeah yes 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 i mean the way that they crafted this whole season has just been remarkable. Uh, I think it's been a great first season. Uh, I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's right up there with uh, the first season of uh, Sons of Anarchy, maybe even more well-crafted at the beginning of this show. So, yeah, as a, uh, as a first season, they're laying down a lot of foundation. I, I mm-hmm. it's good. It, I mean, this is, I know I say, you know, some shows are really good and, and I mean, they are, but it takes something really special to 
be this level of good. And these guys definitely, they get it. The, the team of writers, the actors, JD last night made me so happy. I, there's something about the way that he portrays Easy that is so soft and so, it's not, it isn't sweet like, you know, the, the, the kind of nice that's, uh, I don't know. It, there's a kindness to him that he is just pervasive. No matter how bad he, the things are that are going on around him, somehow he manages to hold on to human kindness. And it's just astounding because not all the characters sort of have that soft edge to them. You know, right. they just don't. Uh, it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's an easy character. Get it? Uh, to <laughs> like. <laughs> All right. So, uh, any any last words before we uh, get on out of here? Um, boy, you know, the only other thing that I definitely thought was pretty uh, telling is they keep hinting constantly about uh, uh, the the base yard guy, uh, Steve. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know why, but I, I just keep calling him the base yard guy and I never identify him by name. I, I keep thinking that there is something that is going to happen between him and Letty. And I don't know exactly what it is, but they make constant references to not just like how well they get along, but also like how creepy he is. Right. And, I, I don't I don't know. Something feels like it's there. I don't exactly know what it is, but I don't know why they would just keep making these references over and over again. Why did we need to know last night that he was a chronic masturbator? I mean, like, okay, putting something into the script for fun is, is cool, but I don't feel like that was just thrown in for no good reason either. No, I mean, that was what his character was in Sense of Anarchy. That's why his fingers are the way they are, was because he, I, couldn't, he wouldn't stop. Right, I know, but but if you but <clears throat> let me let me rephrase that, right? It, the show stands by itself. So for people that have never seen Sons of Anarchy, <clears throat> when you approach this <clears throat> with a um when you approach this with a, a completely fresh set of eyes, it there are things that happen in Mayans which remind us of uh, if you've seen Sons of Sons of Anarchy, we we're we're reminded of things that have happened in the past, but it stands by itself in the sense that Every time they mention something, it has something to do with the Mayans MC, not Sons of Anarchy. In other words, they don't rely on Sons of Anarchy to, to provide story fluff to move forward. They <coughs> write whatever it is into the, the actual story itself and then go, okay, this is... So anybody who hadn't seen Sons of Anarchy would know immediately what's going on. You're up to speed right away. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So, <clears throat> so us being told that last night felt important to the story now, not to what we know already about him from Sons of Anarchy. That's what I'm saying. There, there seems to be something pervasively happening now. We didn't need to know that about him because we already know that about him <clears throat> if you'd watch Sons of Anarchy. But if you didn't watch Sons of Anarchy then as a viewer, you would need to know that about him because it sets up something interesting for whatever's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. 
I guess. Uh, I never. I didn't even think about it that hard. Uh, but you might be right. You might be onto something there. Every time they mention something, even Potter, every time they mention something that has happened in Sons of Anarchy, they they set it up so well in Mayans to make sure that it is Mayans related. I mean, there's a couple shout outs to things that have happened to Sons in Sons of Anarchy that maybe you wouldn't know if you hadn't watched the show, but you don't have to have watched Sons of Anarchy for the Mayans to make complete and total sense. Everything you need to understand is right there in either the visual narrative or the script or pieces that happen inside of the story. So it, it to me, again, once again, that is really brilliant because most spinoffs really rely very heavily on their source material in order to push any narrative forward and Mayans doesn't feel like it does that at all it feels like it just stands all by itself on a nice little island I, I really like that yeah I like it as well um, it's it, it's very refreshing and they, they put in just enough of <laughs> Sons of Anarchy so that uh, you know so that we understand it's a world you know right. extended universe as they call it the kids call it these days but, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, I think that was really good, uh, the way that they've done it. And it, it, it feels like it's its own thing, but it also feels like it's a part of something. Well, we, d- we don't need to hear the whole story of Sons of Anarchy again, because we already told that story. So as a new story, anything that you want to inject into the story, we have to be either, I mean, we can be reminded of it, but fresh viewers need to know it. So... All the little things that we're told about what has happened before or references to things that have happened before in Sons of Anarchy, I, I don't feel like they're just accidental or not accidental. I don't feel like they're fan service. I feel like they're actually important to the story that's happening right now. Hmm. That's what I mean about Steve. Yeah. Okay. We'll find out. We'll we find will. out maybe hopefully in the next two episodes. Uh, well, actually, it would be the next... Yeah, yeah, two episodes. Yeah, we're into two episodes. Two episodes yeah. left. Yeah. <clears throat> also, one one last thing. I, I have to just really commend these uh, actors for their presence on social media. Um, the, there were some amazing moments last night on Twitter, for sure. And they re- they're so responsive, number one. And number two, it takes a lot out of these guys to respond both to criticism and accolades and have the same, you know, affected demeanor. And they, they really pull it off. They really do a great job. They're so respectful of the fans. They're so responsive to questions. They, I mean, I know that this must take a lot. And I'm just really appreciative as somebody who watches the show to see that level of involvement. It's really nice. Not everybody's like that. So right. they get a big shout out from me. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, and we know we gotta. I'm gonna work on trying to get someone from the show. Actually, Emil Rivera is uh, his agent is my next door neighbor, so I'm, I need to go over to my next door neighbor and say, "Hey, man, you gotta hook it up." <laughs> yeah, me, right. Give me an interview with uh, your client there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hit him up. Uh, I I don't know why I even thought about it. I haven't. I guess I hadn't seen him in a while, even though we live next door. So, uh, but yeah, I'm going to have to uh, go next door and be like, hey, man, you got to uh, do a show on your client's uh, TV series. So, uh, you know, let's, let's hook up that interview. Bake but, him uh, some banana bread, you yeah. know, go over with a cup of coffee. 
Yeah. Well, he's you know he's from New Orleans, so I'll just tell him Ooh. how great the, the Saints are, and that's my favorite team. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, uh, yeah. So, uh, if anybody out there who uh, uh, is on the cast or crew of the show that's listening to us, uh, don't be afraid to re- reach out to us. Uh, we're going to be reaching out to you to, to come on the show and let's chop it up. So, uh, but um, how can people get you in social media? Uh, social media. I'm on Twitter at following bliss one and on the internet. I am at critical laughs with two L's.com and movies make the meal.com. All right. Uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter. That's K I N T E F on Twitter. You can go to our website. That's indyradio.org. That's I N D Y radio.org. And of course we'll be back next week, uh, with an all new episode of talking Mayans MC uh, later today at 6 p.m. Pacific nine Eastern, we will be doing a spotlight episode. We will be interviewing Dustin Ferguson, uh, not related to me at all, uh, <laughs> but he's a producer and a director and we'll be talking about uh, some of his uh, upcoming projects. But uh, it's so funny because people was like, is he related to you? Like, no, I don't spell my name like his, <laughs> his last name. We're, uh, we're a little off. Even though it's funny, I have an uncle who spells his last name with the F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N. And because he went to the military and they redid it and he never changed it or something crazy. Uh, you know, so, but he is my dad's brother. They were born with the spelling of the last name, but, you know. So, oh, revisionist history. This is awesome. Yeah, that's a whole. Wow, that's a whole thing. But uh, he is—he's my—he is my uncle and related. It, even though he doesn't spell his name right, but he'll argue that it's probably this is probably how it's supposed to. Be. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> that's not how no one in the family spelled their last name. Well, you well, had uh, nothing uh, but confusion. Uh, uh, at the interview, we'll have to have a we'll have to have an epic debate about the correct spelling of the name. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> the way that Dustin spells his name is the way that his family spells his name. We don't spell our names this way. <laughs> Ours is Ferguson, not Ferguson. The, 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 the question is, which is better? Ferguson, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Come on. It's unique. One <laughs> thing that's so great about having my, our last name is it's not a common last name. So, uh, so what happens is, um, you know, all the Gmails and dot coms and everything with my last name is uh, available. <laughs> so, you oh, know, thanks. so uh, I was able to secure all of that. So uh, there's never been a, um, actually, it's funny. I actually have tw- Kente Ferguson uh, uh, Twitter account, but I made it very early and I didn't remember the, the, uh, the password. So then I started Kente F. So, uh, um, so it's out there and it's me. I just don't know how to get into it. <laughs> so it was like way early in the game. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll repurpose Kente F and then go to my full name. So well, I don't know. But anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so It's going to be a great interview. It will be. So you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and please come back here on Indie Radio uh, later today for our interview with Dustin Ferguson. Peace. You've been called to the CEO's office. You've been busting your hump all year. You think to yourself, I deserve this. Your boss slides a piece of paper across the table. This 
is the moment you've been waiting for. Because you know there's never been a better time to test drive the 2019 Mercedes-Benz GLA at your authorized Mercedes-Benz dealer. That's right, the sleek SUV you've had your eye on at a truly surprising price. Visit mbusa.com GLA to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. 